0: This is Nova Church, Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Last week we started a series, we're in a series uh, called The Battlefield. We started this three-week series, we're going to conclude it next week on Thanksgiving. And this series is the premise that there's a battle against the Kingdom of God. In Romans 14 it says the Kingdom of God is righteousness righteousness. Peace and joy. Today, if this is your first time in church, or maybe it's it, this is your church, we would agree there seems to be a battle against peace in our lives. I've never seen more people stressed, more people with anxiety in my own life, trying to work through the pressures. There's a battle against peace. It says that there's a battle against righteousness. Well, what's right? What's popular isn't always right, and what's right isn't always popular, but there's a way to live. It's not about rules, but there's a way that's right before God that brings peace. It says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. My friends, we need some joy in our lives. I believe the church should be the happiest place, the most joyful place, both the emotion of, of happiness and the commitment of joy, knowing that we are right with God. Come on, somebody. That come hell or high water, come mountaintop or valley, there's a joy available in the kingdom of God and this battlefield there's a war against against these things the bible says in second corinthians our theme verse for this series chapter 10 verse 5 it says it this way casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of god and bringing into captivity you can see the fight in this verse bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I've realized many times this battlefield isn't on our streets, it's in our minds. It's fought in our minds, our thoughts, and our choices. And that's why the Bible says take every thought captive. And I've realized... That if I can deal with what's happened between my ears, if I can deal with my thoughts, my insecurities, my fears, if I can deal with my vision and my dreams, if I can deal with what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling, it affects my choices and my future. Can someone say amen? There's a battle we're in. We're in a battlefield today. Today, as we pick up part two today, if you have your uh, Bible, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter three, as you turn there. Last week, we started with the fear fight. We talk about fear fear is a factor in our lives isn't it i've never seen so many people afraid and we talk about fear saying we fear makes us settle for the for 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 the, what could happen fear makes us stop and go listen what if and you never get to know the what's possible fear says what if the government fails what if the economy drops what if you get diagnosed what if they walk out of your life and fear says no don't try it what if but god says to his people listen I want to show you what's possible. And we dealt with fear last week, that you need to starve your fears and feed your faith. That's why worship is so important. We feed our faith. Hey, he's a good father. I'm going to build my life. That this really is living now when we're focused on God. And God has a plan for us. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Let me read a few verses, starting in verse 1. It says this, talking about Adam and Eve in the garden. It says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals and the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, this is the enemy, the devil. He asked the woman, he says, did God say? I want to let you know, that's still the oldest tactic and the most original tactic that you're going to fight in this battle. Did God really say? Some of you, it's like, did God really say to go to church this morning? Did God really say to marry that person? Did God really say to start that business? Did God really say that he would be with you? Did God really ask you to step out and change that? The enemy came and said, did God really say, did God say? I was always told, don't doubt in the dark what you heard in the light. That when you, when God speaks to you, when it gets dark, you hang on to those words. And the enemy comes here and he tries to go against that. "Did, did, Did God say, did God say you must not eat the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Of course, she said, we may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, the middle of the garden, that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent said. God knows your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God. That's the oldest temptation. The oldest tactic is, did God say? The oldest temptation is, no, no, you can be like God. You can rival God. Come on, who's God? Come on, you're the center of this thing. You're in the middle of the garden. You're the important one. You'll be like God. Make your own choices, be your own man. He says, come on, you'll be just like God, knowing both good and evil. Today, for the next few minutes, on this second in this series, The Battlefield, I wanna talk on this topic. You'll see behind me, write this down somewhere. The greed grapple, the greed grapple. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for every person here. God, we thank you for these moments where you wanna speak to us and we wanna connect with you. Father, I'm praying clearly that your word, this this scripture, these, these truths will not fall on empty ears and come back empty, that God, we would leave here changed uh, and different than we walked in, more in love with you, more like you, and more passionate about you. Father, I pray whatever our struggles are today, financial, physical, emotional, relational, that God, you would step in today and give us direction and give us help today. God, we thank you for this church. Thank you for every person here. Thank you for our kids' ministry right now. Thank you for the team that is serving. Thank you for those that are here today. And God, I ask, I know it's early, but I ask, any snow forecast for this winter, would you send it to Moncton, Lord? Just send it. Just send it, Lord. Bless them with that. And uh, Father, we thank you for that. And everybody said? And Everybody said? I know I take a risk of offending New Brunswickers, but it's either that or the Newfies, and I'm scared of the Newfies. So... If you're from New Brunswick, I don't apologize for that. I like a dry winter. Can someone say amen? Today we're talking about the greed grapple. Uh, Preaching, once in a while people ask me, can you give us some, like talk about preaching? And I do workshops on preaching and I'm still figuring this out. And One thing we talk about in workshops of preaching uh, is we believe that this is a connection. This is not a talk. This is actually back and forth. It's more like Tennis. It's, it's, it's back and forth and try to read your faces and your body language and some of you are loud and amen and some of you are quiet and pensive and you're trying to read a conversation and I, I, I'm trying to unpack maybe some truth and you guys are chewing on it and processing it and feedback and we're in this conversation and I always tell preachers that ask me and I'm always reminded, it's always when you start a message, you're trying to build a connection. I say this, it's called wrestling the room. You've got to wrestle the room. There's no point constructing if you've never connected. Sometimes uh, young preachers or people will get up and they'll start unloading everything they know, but they've never wrestled the room. The room is not with them. They're distracted. And So sometimes you've got to wrestle the room. Sometimes you've got to be funny because sometimes the weather and the fog and the snow that Moncton's going to get will just bring you down or maybe it's tiredness or maybe it's even more than that. Maybe something's going on in people's lives and you try to connect before you construct. Uh, in my 20s, I failed one day. When I think about messages that failed, this is one that comes to the top of my mind. I have, a, I have many. Some of you are like, you got more than one. We've been here for a year, you know. But, but I remember, i never forget this one where I could not connect. I was in Toronto, downtown Toronto. I was 25 years of age, newly married, and me and Nancy were there, in this church right in the middle of the city. And I was preaching on a Sunday morning, and I thought, I'm gonna connect with this room. I'm gonna just connect. And I thought, I'm funny. I think I'm funny. My wife sometimes thinks I'm funny. I'm gonna... So I started with a joke. And this is, this is how I started my message, downtown Toronto. How many trontonians does it take to change a light bulb? So that went over as well as that just did right there. <laughs> See, at that moment, I read the body language and thought, I'm in trouble. No one laughed. In fact, people that weren't paying attention started paying attention, but they weren't eager to hear. They were offended already. In the middle of this char- and I, 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 me at this age, I would have stopped. I would have known to stop. I would have said, just kidding, turn in your Bible. I didn't do that. I thought, no, no, I can still win this. I can still win them over. So I went on with the joke. You wanna hear the rest of the joke? It's because you're not from Toronto, okay. How many Torontonians does it take to change a light bulb? I was like, just one, because they hold the light bulb and the whole world revolves around them. See, that joke kills everywhere except Toronto. (laughs) <laughs> for the rest of the service. I didn't care what I said, how much Bible I read. They were offended. People got up and left. They were taking their children. I'm pretty sure that church closed the next week and <laughs> Toronto's the mess it's in today because of that sermon right there. You know, I'm reminded in this, in this battlefield that we're in, in this, in this war against the kingdom of God, there really is war against the kingdom of God. It's against righteousness, peace, and joy in my life. You think about the struggles in your life, in my life, it's, it's always coming against the peace that we have. Struggle on joy and righteousness, the choices we make, the peace in our lives, and the joy available. And there's this war. I realize, much like that, that part of the problem is, is that we think, and sometimes we put ourselves in a place, that this whole thing revolves around us. There's many names for this. You can call it greed, you can call it lust. You can call it selfishness, be self-absorbed. But at some point, we wrestle with, in this fight, you gotta know, in this fight, part of the trouble is, is we put ourselves in the center of this and we think this whole thing is about us. It's not about us. We think it revolves around us. The truth is, we've gotta fight this mindset in this battle. The greed grapple. At the core of it is this belief that we're the center of the story. This is the selfie generation, isn't it? So many selfies. It was so funny. I was at a hockey game yesterday, and these girls in front of us sitting in the bleaches were taking selfies on Snapchat. What's with the Snapchat filters? Like, really, like, everybody needs, like, extra ears and glasses and freckles. But if this is the selfie generation, just selfie generation. This is the generation that's more concerned about our rights than our wrongs. It's about me. Future Shop. I used to love their slogan. It was, I want more. Kit Kat, you deserve a break today. We have put ourselves at the center of this story. We think this whole thing revolves around us. On this battlefield, we wrestle. We have to grapple with greed. We say things like, my hurt. Conversation. How many conversations? Sometimes we call it venting or sharing with good friends, but the whole time is focused around my hurt or if I had my way or, you know, my preference would be different. Conversations filled with I don't like, I actually prefer, I want, and I'm feeling are all symptoms in this fight that we've put ourselves in the middle of this story. And I'm realizing in my life, the older I get, the more comfortable I want to become. And sometimes comfort is the enemy of calling. And we have to wrestle ourselves out of the middle of this story. How do you deal with the greed grapple? We have to throw ourselves out of the circle. My friends, that's the the message of the gospel. That's the message of the kingdom. We have to take ourselves out of the middle of this circle. We think time is about us. We think culture is about us. We think this whole story is about us. The Bible says that, that Jesus is the center of it all history, his story. It's about him, not us. But somewhere we want to throw ourselves into the middle. We, we can get consumed with ourselves and miss the point of this whole thing. Genesis 3, that I just read today, is the original temptation was to put ourselves in the middle over God. They said, this, this tree is in the middle of the garden. Listen, it's not about him. It's what about you. You can grow. You can know more. You can be better. You can go above. It's not about God. It's about what you want in your decisions and the original temptation was to put ourselves in the middle of the circle and put ourselves over God I want to remind you things go bad like they did for Adam and Eve they go bad for us when we put ourselves in the middle of this the opposite of the kingdom of God because the kingdom of man and the kingdom of man is not righteousness and it's not peace and it's not joy you want to watch what that looks like what turn on the news wars and rumors of wars and dark things and greed and when we put ourselves in the center we get out of God's will and things go sideways fast but we have this belief that we are the center of this all thing greed puts us in the center of the circle we do this as parents don't we we teach our kids we treat them like they're the center of the universe Am I the only one that's done this? It's just like, uh, it's like everything, nothing is good enough for my kids. Like, I want the best car seat. I want the best fishy crackers. They have extra cheese blasts now. Did you know? Those are fantastic. And everything's about our kids. And we treat them, we love our kids, but sometimes we treat them like they're the center of the universe. And then we act surprised when they're young adults, they act like the world revolves around them. I can't believe this. They think, like, they're so selfish. I can't believe they're that opinionated. I can't believe they're that self-absorbed. They don't see what we've done as parents, what we've sacrificed, what we've made happen. If we treat them like the center of the universe, don't be surprised when they act like the world revolves around them. And this is a cycle we are in of putting ourselves into the middle of this circle. My friend, I will remind you today, things go bad when we're in the center. When we're in the center. The kingdom of God is God is in the center. And we are a part of this journey and story, but we are not the focus. We are a part of a greater story that God is in the center. Jesus modeled it for us when he was on earth, how to live. When he said in the Lord's prayer, Father, it's your will be done. It's your kingdom, God. It wasn't even what Jesus wanted as a man on earth. He said, no, no, this is not about me right now. This is about thought. I only do what I see him doing. I only say what I hear him saying. God, not my will, not my preferences, not my hurt, my pain, my fear, my past, not my future. It's what you want. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. In this greed grapple, we are not the center of this story. John the Baptist said in 330, John 3.30, he said, he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. My friends, I want to remind you today, in this fight, we have to throw ourselves out of the circle. Isn't that a foreign concept today? You buy a car based on the comfort. You, you pick a, a house based on the neighborhood. You pick a job based on its benefits. And we, we wrestle with this thing that after a while we start to believe that it's about us. And we're the center. My friend, it's always been about God. It'll always be about God. He is the center of this story. And in this battlefield, the reason why some of us are struggling with our peace, our right choices, and our joy is we've removed God and his kingdom from being the center. And we've put ourselves in as king and queen. I do it in my own life. And chaos ensues when I'm the center. I want to remind you today, we need to grapple with greed. How do we grapple with greed today? It's a great question. We throw ourselves out of the middle. How do we do that? First thing I want to remind you today is that serving throws us out of the middle. Serving throws us out of the middle. I have a memory I've shared before, but I was eight or nine. We were, uh, you know, looking back now, I realize how much my parents did for us. I think you only appreciate sometimes the older you get what people have done for you. I've realized that. The older I get, thinking, you know what? They actually did more than I thought. They sacrificed more than I thought. They they they, they 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 created this atmosphere. We were a middle class family. My father worked two or three jobs. My mom worked hard, and I remember being eight or nine, and my father went on a mission trip with our church to India. I remember being eight or nine. It was a huge deal. It's a huge deal now to travel, but at that point, and I'm that old, you know. They took a steamship and horses, and Pony Express would bring the mail back then, and you no, know, but get on these planes and go. But I remember it was a huge deal. And my father came back from this trip and we had slides. And Some of you have no idea what that looks like. But um, we had this white screen we put on the wall and we, he put slides and we'd get down there and we'd see this trip that my father went on. I remember seeing these smiling faces of these kids. They, built, they helped build an orphanage and a Bible school in India, and the smile on these people's faces, these students that loved Jesus, that now had a place that they could go and say these children that were being adopted and being taken care of, and I remember being overwhelmed with the sense that my father and these people had made a difference in someone else's life that I, I couldn't Google, I didn't know, but all of a sudden the world was bigger for me back then, but I remember it costing us. I remember conversations like, well, we can't really do that. Dad's saving for his trip. Hey, my my mom's favorite joke every single week was, can we go to eat after church? And we lived in a place, I forget what, 178, whatever it was, K Street. And she would say, we're going to go to eat today. Oh, yeah, yes, this is the day I get the crown at Burger King. Come on, somebody, that was a good day. I'm like, we're going out to eat. Where are we going? 178 K Street. I'm like, oh, we didn't eat out for a year. I remember things, well, I don't know. We're trying to watch our money because dad's going on that trip to help build that orphanage and that Bible. I remember my dad leaving and it was a big deal. One car family, my father leaving. I remember him leaving and going, this is inconvenient to us in our schedule. My mom had a family. She babysat kids and it was, I remember it costing me something. But serving put others in the circle and removed me as a child. I remember that leaving a lasting impact on my life. Sitting there in the dark, paneling on the wall in our basement, in the early 80s, watching this screen of faces I will never meet, I'll never see in real life, and seeing these faces light up with joy in these stories, and I'm reminded by his serving, he put others in the middle of the circle. Serving in this greed grapple throws us out of the middle. My friend, the happiest people are the people that serve the most. Have you noticed this? Have you noticed this? Some of the most miserable people are self-absorbed. And in my life, i realize realized quickly a focus comes back and a joy comes back when I remove my comfort, my preferences, my hurts, my dreams out of the middle and make it about someone else. I'm blown away by our kids' ministry, what they do every week. Sometimes we can get to the point after a year, can I be honest? We're like, well, are they going to learn a new song? Then they learn a new song. I don't really like that song. I prefer, can we have trumpets on stage? Can we at least do at least one throwback hymn? Would that too much to ask? Some other people are like, did that guy just rap last week? Did that just happen? And all of a sudden, we're like, I don't know. Like these seats seemed really comfortable six months ago. I don't know if they've changed them, but they're not as comfortable as they were. Is that Hayes? I didn't know I was at the Legion. I didn't know what, like... And all of a sudden, but meanwhile, meanwhile, some of the happiest people in this building today are on floors on mats with our kids. And I realize when we take ourselves out of the circle, putting others in helps us grapple greed. That's why we push the next steps. It's not about that you're going to help us build the church, though it helps, but when you get connected and you start serving, something happens. I want to let you know, the party that happens before you get here is a party. Music's happening. We're clapping, we're singing, we're laughing, we're connecting. There's a, there's a tangible joy in this place. Why? Because we're serving our guts there on Sundays and loving it. Don't feel bad for us. Oh, you guys get up early. What time do you get picked up? You get, you get picked up, you get up at six to go to the storage unit. Yeah, don't, don't feel bad for me. I am loving my life right now. Why? Because when you take yourself out of the middle by serving, something happens. Matthew 20, verse 27 says, And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man, even Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom to many. Jesus modeled this. He said, I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to serve others. Jesus on the cross put us in the middle of the circle. And that's why he said, for the joy set before me, I endure the cross. He had a joy you couldn't take. The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. There's a joy that happens when you put someone else in the middle of the circle. Serve. I'm excited for our youth this next season. They're going to start doing some serving with Feed Nova Scotia and other places. Why? Because I know what happens when you get out of the circle. All of a sudden, there's this kingdom of God thing. Righteousness, peace, and joy unspeakable. What else throws us out of the circle in this Greed grapple. Giving does. Giving does. Tithing. Putting God first. Giving in our offering. Puts God back into the center. It put God's first. Please don't miss this. It says, it exchanges what we love most for who we love most. First Timothy 6.10 For the love of money is the root of all evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many arrows. You see that right there? For the love of money is the root of all kinds. Co- money's not the root of evil. People say money's root. No, money's not the root of evil. The love of money is. Money's just a tool. Money's like a hammer. Money's like an iPhone. You can, you can build an orphanage with a, with a hammer or you can do some vandalism. With an iPhone, you can build community and text and you can, you can do great things. You can also go to a very dark place with technology. Money, it's not money's not good or bad. Money's just a tool that reveals what's in our heart. The love of money is the root of all evil. And some people craving money. Isn't that interesting? Not fame. It says money have wandered from int- true faith and pierced themselves with arrows. When you give, it kills greed's hold in your life. It's not if you have money. Oh, this is good. It's if money has you. As a church, we, 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 probably, we know people walk into church going, church is after my money. We're not that church. We, we try to say it every week. Matt said it today. If you're a guest, we don't want you to give. Some people go, I've never heard that before, because we're not after your money. But I do know this, God is after your heart. And whatever rivals your heart in this battlefield, God will go after. Some of us, it's fame. Some of us, it's pain. Some of it's it's finances. But I realize this, when you give, you're giving what you love most, exchanging it for who you love most. And it puts God back into the center of the circle. The greed grapple has us in the middle, and God goes, you have to throw yourself out. One way we do that is giving. That's why the Bible says, I love a cheerful giver. Because if you get the ad, if you understand why you're doing it, you can't help but have joy. I know some of the stories of generosity happening in this church, and they're the happiest people I know in this place are the most generous. Some of the most financially secure people, some of, not all, some of are the most miserable. And there's also, greed isn't about how much money you have. It's a heart thing. There are some people with no money that are greedy. But greed is killed when you give. There's something about it. It kills it. It throws it. How else do we? grapple greed. Worship does. We're a church of worship. We're passionate about worship. Why? It's not just three songs. We rap in some, we sing slow in others, lights are moving. Worship is actually a battle in this greed grapple. It pushes us out of being the main character in this story. Worship is all about him. When we sing, it's not about what's wrong with us. Sometimes you're sitting here going, I can't can't sing that song because I know where I was last night. I'm in church this morning, but I was in the dome last night. I'm looking at this screen now, but I was looking at another screen last night, and we focus on what's wrong with us. Worship isn't about what's wrong with us. It's about what's right with him. See, even in worship, we still make it about us. I don't like that song, you know? I'm going to sit down and just kind of chill out until I feel the right song. You know what? That one does something for me. Can they sing that Oceans one again? Oh, God, God. Oh, I like it when she sings. Oh, I like it when he leads. I really get something from this. And somehow, we still wrestle with putting ourselves in the middle of worship. True worship is removing ourselves from it and going, God, it's about you. It's always been about you. It'll always be about you. God, I'm thankful that you're the center of my life. I will build my life on you. That's worship. Worship puts God back into the middle. It's about Him. Worship will always be a battle of who's in charge. We live in a culture where we worship the creation over the Creator. We always want to worship the creation over the Creator. Oh man, we're just... Man, I'm so attracted to that person. Man, I'm so envious of that person's career. Man, I wish I had their money. Man, I wish I had their smarts or their looks or their spouse or their partner. I wish I had their car. I wish I had their looks. I wish I had their past. Man, I wish I had their future. And worship, we want to worship the creation over the creator. Worship takes us out of the middle and says, God, you're in the center of this all. That's why when we sing and, and I, I, we joke about it, you can come whenever you want, but when you show up and you miss half the worship, you're missing the best chance to put the kingdom of God back into your life. Because you show up and go, no, no, no. I've had a crazy week and I'm trying, I'm trying my best. And I'm doing all right. But you know what? I'm going to focus right now. Whether I like the song or don't, whether I know it or not, God, you're back into the middle and you can worship in your car, people. It's so not about Sunday morning. You can worship in your home. You can worship at work. You just, all oh, this God, I put you back in the middle. God, it's about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to build my life on you. Not on my resume, not on my LinkedIn account, not on my bank account, not on my kids. I'm thankful for all these things, but God, I build my life on you. You're the center of this. You're the center of it all. And a worship, a battle happens in this battlefield. And some of you, it's a cute series, but some of you are in the fight of your life. You smile, but you walk in here going, man, I don't got peace in my life. I don't have peace. I've never been tormented more in my life. I feel like I just can't figure this out. I'm not going to make it. Some of you are in a dark place. Some of you, it's your choices, your righteousness. You can't earn God, but your choices plant your future. The only control you have over tomorrow is what you plant today. And some of you are like, man, like I love God and I'm into this, but when the choices I'm making, man, if she finds out, if he finds out, if people only knew and I'm doing some things and the righteousness, the choices of my life, and some of you, it's your joy. People look at you on paper, go, I want their life. But you're sitting there going, I don't want my own life. I have everything people could ever want, and why am I miserable? I just need more. If I can just get that promotion, if I can just get that car, if I can just change my spouse, if I can just, and you're miserable. Listen, there's a war going on for our joy. There's a war going on for our peace, and our mental health. There's a war going on for the choices of our nation, our city, and our families. And in this battle, we have to grapple greed, lust, selfishness, being self-absorbed, where we keep saying, no, it's about me. Man, it's all about my kids. It's all about my life. No, 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 no. I've learned, my parents have proven, and the Bible is true. When we take ourselves out of the middle, put God in the middle, righteousness thrives, joy abounds, and there's a peace beyond all understanding. Isn't it interesting? My family took me to Disney, and that's a great thing to do. We've done it twice. But I don't remember Disney. I actually have no memory as a kid of going to Disney. How ungrateful am I? But I can't remember those kids' faces on those slides when I was nine years of age. And 25 years later, I walked into that orphanage on a February morning as a young adult, preaching to Bible school students in a building my father was a part of, giving financially and building physically. I'm like, tell me your story. And through a translator, they, through, through Tamil, they talked to me in this Kanataka state, and they'd be going, yeah, I was an orphan here. I'm going, you were an orphan here. How old were you? And I'm doing the math going, you were here when my father was here. And now you're a pastor reaching people with the righteousness, peace, and joy of the gospel. And I'm sitting on a stage that my father built internally and externally and going, that is a legacy of life I want to be in. My friends, we have to remove ourselves from the center in this battle. If you're the center, you're going to lose this war. The Bible says... Drifted far from the faith. It says, cast down every vain imagination. I'm all for stuff. It's not about that. It's not about that. It's not about having stuff. It's about stuff having us. It's not about working your guts out that you don't help anybody. It's not about serving so you're exhausted, but it is about putting others ahead of yourself. And worship isn't about the best songs or the latest songs or the catchiest atmosphere, though I love what we have here. It's about saying, God, it's about you. And I will lift you up. And I must decrease so you can increase. Because when you increase, you run this thing better than me. And when you go to the center, everything changes. When you walk into a room, God, everything changes. Today we're in a battlefield. And we must grapple greed and throw ourselves out of the circle and put God in the middle. Can you stand to your feet today? We're going to sing this song. And I'm going to pray for some of you. Can I challenge you right now? Right now, some of you are thinking, I want my coffee. It's gonna be good, and it's gonna be there. Some of you are thinking, I don't wanna go get my kids. (laughs) You have to, by law, you know. But in this next minute, will you grapple selfishness, maybe greed in your life? Would you not focus on the person next to you? Would you not be tempted to check for that text? Would you just, in a moment, if you're comfortable, in a moment, maybe raise your hand. Some of you, for the first time, and just say, no, 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 I just want to surrender. I'm walking out of the middle, and God, you're back into the middle. And watch the kingdom of God rush into your life of righteousness, peace, and joy. Come on, let's worship and sing this together.